Imagine being present, calm, and connected while creating a family environment where everyone can thrive. Welcome to the I Am Mom Parenting Podcast, providing inspiration and actionable steps to manifest the meaningful and magical life you desire for you and your family. We are your hosts, Dimple Aurora, founder of Mindful Evolution and Shaista Fateli, founder of Thrive Kids. Thank you for sharing the I Am Mom journey with us. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome back to our third segment on anxiety. Today, we're going to get into anxiety and teenagers. And I remember when I was a teenager, there was a lot of anxiety that I had. And I think that if I had a lot more coping mechanisms or know why I was experiencing this anxiety, would have really helped me? So today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the teenage mind and how anxiety is very paramount in the teenage mind, what contributes to it, what's going on in today's day and age to contribute to it, the physical, behavioral, and emotional manifestations of anxiety in the teenage brain, as well as some strategies that you as parents can use to help manage your teenager's anxiety. I love this topic because it's so prevalent right now. And there's a lot going on for teens during this pandemic. They're facing so much uncertainty. How can we blame them, right? Because they're looking forward to, they were looking forward to prom, graduation, going to college, and that's all been kind of taken away from them right now. So That's bringing up a lot of anxiety in the teens. And I want to actually start with talking about the teenage brain. Okay, so we had mentioned in our last episode, the prefrontal cortex, and that's the front part of the brain and how that's actually not even developed until we're in our 20s, right? So that's the decision-making part of the brain. So that pre frontal cortex is still developing for these teens. Mm -hmm. And so what's happening is they have to rely on a part of their brain called the amygdala and they need their amygdala to help them make decisions and solve problems actually more than adults do. Yeah, exactly. And so they're really guided by their amygdala, right? And they're guided by this emotional state that they have, which is why even though there may be a lot of connections made in childhood and having a really great, safe environment, that in the teenagers, you will experience some form of um, withdrawal, right? Or disconnection at some level. But when it becomes at a level where it is interfering with daily Uh, activities or your day-to-day lives and affecting you emotionally um, as a family, that is when we need to look at what's really going on underneath, right? So in terms of brain development for adolescents, you will notice though that adolescents do often act on impulse, right? They are very impulsive and they're not really able to Um, read social cues and emotions as well as we 
think that they should, right? You just think about yourself as when, when you were a teenager. It was difficult to read emotion cues, emotional cues, even though you thought that you were right, which most teenagers will think. If we reflect on it now and we look at the cues the other person was giving us, we can now see that we weren't right, but it's this misinterpretation that happens, right? And this is also why there's a lot of risky and dangerous behavior that a lot of teenagers will be so um, wanting to engage in. Yes. And you know what? They'll actually also be more aggressive too, right? At this age. And they, they're wired to, to be that way. And there's a lot of reasons why the anxiety shows up and, and, and they're blamed for a lot of things at this age, but their brain development is really in a stage that's bringing up some of these behaviors for them. Right. Mm -hmm. And I know right now there's been a real increase in anxiety in the, in the collective community of teens and an increase in suicide attempts. And I know that hospital emergency departments are seeing a rise in their share of visits from teenagers for mental health needs. Mm -hmm. And the virtual schooling is, it's difficult for them because the teens that I've been working with right now, they're telling me that it's hard to stay motivated because when they do the virtual schooling, everyone's camera is off, including some of their teachers. So they're staring at this blank screen with no connection. Mm -hmm. And this social connection in the teenage years, well, it's important every year, but particularly in the adolescent years, when you're starting to make friendships, you're starting to form romantic relationships, perhaps, right? You're um, testing, you're testing what is going to, um, what you think you want to pursue in the future right? None of that's occurring, right? And there's so many avenues that as teenagers, we were wanting to um, pursue and that's being prevented now today, right? And that's causing a lot of anxiety. And it's not that what we're saying is that um, as a result of this anxiety that they don't know the difference between right and wrong or that teenagers shouldn't be held responsible for any of their actions, but becoming aware of these differences will help us as advocates for your teenage child, right? So then that way we can understand, we can anticipate, and we can manage their behaviors. I love that word advocate, and I'd love to talk more about that later on when we speak about the strategies, because this is such a critical age where they need us, and we think that they don't because they are almost like these mini adults, and they come across as the know-it-all mini adults and giving the eye rolls and all that kind of stuff, but at the same time, they crave connection with their parents. They crave, mm -hmm. and they're they're experiencing so much loss right now. So let's go through some of the reasons why this anxiety is so prominent amongst our teens right now. There obviously is the loss of 
they're the way that they're used to going to school and the loss of connection with their friendships. And some families are even experiencing financial difficulties at home from job loss. And that's causing a lot of stress for the teens as well. And there's so many reasons when, when they're at home to have anxiety come up right? So maybe it's the environment that they're in, uh, any childhood trauma that's being triggered from being at home for so, for so long, right? So um, if they've had any, a teen that's had any abuse, maybe possibly or assault sexually in the past, like that's all going to be triggered from being in this confined space right now. Um, And I feel, go ahead. Yeah, and I think, too, just not being able to access Mm -hmm. um, many of these resources that previously they were able to access, right? So let's just think for a second, like if um, there is a a, a trauma being triggered, right? Mm -hmm. And before COVID, there was an opportunity to go to, let's say, a support group or a circle group or whatever it is. But now, even if they do occur virtually, Mm -hmm. that energy exchange is very hard to manifest, right? It's very hard to feel the the upliftment virtually. I mean, not saying that it doesn't occur, it does, but there's something different that happens when you are face-to-face, right? When you are able to give a physical touch, like a hug, or holding someone's hand, or even just looking into someone's eyes to know that you are there to let them know that you are there for them, and that you are listening to them, and that you are going to be there for them. It's almost like these teens have no safe spaces anymore, right? So it's really hard for them almost impossible for them to feel safe in an environment where there is so much information overload digitally, right? And what we want them to do is cultivate things like self-worth and self-love and self-acceptance and coping strategies for anxiety. But it's just, it's, it's it's been hard for them to do that when they their only communication is like texting or Snapchatting or, or um, you know, reading about other people's business on social media. So they get swayed, right? And even the cyber bullying is huge right now. And so that's bringing up a lot of anxiety. And and in some of the tween girls, the cyber bullying has gotten so bad that they've actually lost their friendships. They've lost their friendships over virtually, and now they feel very lonely at home. They're not on good terms with their parents. They're not on good terms with their friends. And it's become a really difficult, lonely place to be. I just, oh my gosh. Like when I think about this, my heart just aches because I remember how hard the teenagers were for me and there was no um I don't know, whatever they have now, Instagram or however, whatever they have, TikTok and whatnot. But but can you imagine now, like when they're able to capture every moment and post it or 
able to turn people's words around and or use specific words to harm people and put it out in the universe where everyone can see it in a literally an instant. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just cannot fathom how much stress and anxiety that in itself just causes, right? Thinking that this may happen to you. And it's not an unreal fear. This is something that does occur. And it's something that can occur. And no wonder there's so much anxiety within our teenagers, right? Or preteens even. It occurs even as young as 10 years old in in some cases, right? And so there's just so much that's going on accompanied by this lack of control and this lack of um, ownership that teenagers really crave, right? They Mm -hmm. crave independence. They crave to be in control. And now it's been taken away. Things are unstable and they are not sure where to go. And this manifests in their bodies. It manifests emotionally and it manifests behaviorally, right? And so physically, there might be signs such as having um, headaches or migraines, right? Um, And they become triggered quite often as a result of this anxiety and coupled with the fact that they are their mind, their brain waves are being penetrated all the time through these technological devices, right? And having upset stomach or nausea is another really common physical symptom. Sometimes you might even find that there's a lot of dizziness, or I, I've heard dizziness a lot actually lately, um, as well as sweating. And those are all some of the physical some of the physical signs of um, anxiety that can manifest within within the teenage body. Oh, for sure. I, that loss of control, it's, it's huge, right? And that can cause a lot of digestive issues um, for the teenager. And I noticed one of the reasons the anxiety is coming up for them is because they are they are more careless with their diet at this age, not all of them, but a lot of them. And so what happens is they develop, you know, things like skin issues at this age. And so that can make somebody really sensitive, especially when it's so obvious, maybe on the face, right? And so when gut imbalances are there and food sensitivities, Uh, start to show up, then what's going to happen is they might become, there's a lot of nutritional deficiencies and such as the B12 or the iron or the vitamin D. And when those nutritional deficiencies exist, what happens is they will have those physical symptoms such as the digestive issues and the IBS and the acne and the headaches and the migraines and the insomnia, and it's all going to show up for them. So one thing that also can contribute to this Im- these body imbalances, a lot of times is the birth control that they're put on. And they're not necessarily put on the birth control because they are sexually active. They are put on the birth control to help them control the skin issues 
from the gut imbalances that are that are occurring, which is actually throwing their bodies off and creating more imbalances. And so one of the things I always look at with any teen is if it's a female teen is how her menstrual cycle is, is going and how to notice and actually monitor the menstrual cycle, because a lot of times there's different points in the menstrual cycle where the anxiety will be increased, mm-hmm. right? Depending on the fluctuations in hormones and what's going on around that time of month. So when teenagers become aware of that, we give them coping strategies so that they know, okay, this is a hormone fluctuation, most likely, and how to cope during those more sensitive times in in the month. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like that is such an important topic and talking about um, menstrual cycles in general, and just how that can contribute to, I mean, just based on your menstrual cycle can where you are in it can contribute to the intensity of anxiety that you're feeling as well, right? And I think that when young girls are more aware of this, they're going to be able to become more aware of their bodies, right? And when they're more aware of their bodies, they're going to know what is going to help them in these times of needs, right? And that goes along with honoring bodies as well, right? And Mm -hmm. I know that one of the behaviors and that have really come about, not just as a result of this pandemic, but has increased as a result of this pandemic is around body dysmorphia for men and women, both, right? For young girls and young boys, both. And it's this idea around well, first of all, it is based upon this lack of control, right, that we have. And looking at our bodies or trying to get our bodies to be a certain way or controlling our food intake is one way of giving a sense of control and taking back some of that sense of control, which is why there's such a rapid increase in diagnosis such as um, anorexia or bulimia and the such. And it's really important, I think, for for all adolescents to become aware of their bodies and become aware of how they can use these particular strategies so they can limit the amount of um, negative aspects that they see in themselves and focus on positive ways to enhance their beings. Beautifully said, Beautifully said. I mean, the distorted body image and the lack of positive body confidence, it's so important for them to be mindful of when it's showing up in their language, in the way they're relating to themselves and their friends. And, you know, the emotional eating or without having to resort to an eating disorder, right? Like they need to really be aware of what's happening in the body and how what they eat has such an impact on what's happening in their brain and in their bodies, right? And so how, like even what they're eating or what they're feeding their minds and their bodies with, it's so imperative that they become aware of it, 
Mm -hmm. right? Because what they're feeding their brains with, or what they're feeding their bodies with is going to really impact how they show up in the world and and how they think and how they feel about themselves. Mm -hmm. And one of the symptoms that we see a lot is these racing thoughts or these repetitive thoughts or this uneasiness that something is wrong with me, something is not right in my body. I feel very unsettled and I don't know why, right? So they just don't even have that comfort level in their own bodies. Yeah. And just like, even just, I feel as though a lot of this just causes so much tense. Tension, tension is the word I'm looking for. Tension in their body. Tense muscles. Right? Yeah. yeah. And these tense muscles I'm seeing so often in kids, right? Back, back aches. The back aches, the neck aches, the yeah. leg pains. And um, this is all due to, well, I shouldn't say all, but it's partly due to anxiety, right? And it's this um, feeling, you know, that feeling you get when you're just on edge. And when you just think about being on edge, even when I'm saying it, I feel my body tense up, right? So I'm consciously aware that I'm doing that right now and I can relax my body. But Mm -hmm. children and adolescents don't have that awareness. And when they are feeling uptight on edge and they're representing this with their physical body with tense muscles or body aches, this then goes into some of their behaviors that they might be engaging in, right? Such as avoiding situations, avoiding doing any activities. Maybe you might find that they're pacing or fidgeting, or they may be restless. Sometimes even starting things and not finishing them or procrastinating, or on the other hand, focusing on something so deeply and becoming so obsessive around it, such as exercise or um, anything else that it becomes an unhealthy obsession and takes over their lives, right? So it's really about managing all of these emotional representations of anxiety so that we can then decrease these behaviors that occur. Talking about obsessions, it's almost like the gaming world, right? So they're spending more time in the virtual world than in in the real world. But one of the behaviors I, I just want to touch upon briefly here because it is happening and it concerns me and I know that um, it's becoming more popular and that is self-harm. And so what that is, is when someone will deliberately harm themselves, right? So they'll either cut themselves or burn themselves in a a space or pierce their skin with maybe like a a sharp object. But a lot of times this is hidden. So parents or caregivers are not aware that this is taking place. And the person doing it is really adamant on hiding it from everyone. But I want to explain that this is actually a coping mechanism for anxiety when um, when the person cannot deal with the such the emotion that's coming up or the intense emotional pain or anger that they're feeling they just don't know how to process it so it's like a momentary release right where okay if i harm myself 
then I can just have this, uh, like the brain will take, you know, focus on that pain instead. Right. Um, it's important that we teach them healthy ways to cope. And that's what's happening when, you know, you even have adults with this addictions or drug dependency or alcohol dependency or sugar addiction or whatever it is. It's because they haven't been given the tools and strategies to cope with their emotions. Mm -hmm. And they're using what works, right? They're using something that's working for them. Exactly. Exactly. So what we want to do in our whole mission in life is to teach strategies from a young age on how to build mindfulness and positive body confidence and and healthy coping strategies for anxiety and well-being and also healthy nutritional habits so that there could be uh, a healthy lifestyle right mm-hmm. ahead in the future for these for these teens and i think doing this all in a comfortable space right in a comfortable way in in a way that they feel supported and not so much well that they're doing anything wrong because they're not right. This is part of living and learning. And I myself find it that I find myself knowing internally that if I do have the skills to share this with our young children and adolescents, that perhaps we should, it's a responsibility, right? And that's why we're giving you all of these strategies. So then you can use them with your children. Absolutely. We're so passionate about getting this information out there. And it's so important that the public is informed of how to help their teens or their child of any age, right? And one another thing I just wanted to bring up too is sometimes the teen is, is in an environment where the caregivers haven't processed their emotions, right? So this also causes anxiety sometimes for the teen when you have, say, a mother who is, and they exist, who are toxic, mothers who are toxic, right? So constantly putting the teen down or, or resorting to anger and uh, mean words, like almost showing up as a mean girl, right? <laughs> For the teen. Um, and it's just something that it's hard to, it's hard to live in a home with, with, with a toxic mother, right? And so I encourage all parents to heal what's ailing them, to become aware of their own emotional issues that need to be processed so that they don't show up in in parenting. So we talked a little bit about having a support system in place, right? And having some social supports in place. 
And so it's important, though, I think, to just remember that there are two types of support systems, right? So you have your informal uh, support system, such as your family members and your friends and members of your community, but also your formal support system, right? And these are your uh, healthcare providers or coaches and other professionals that can help you along the journey. A lot of the times, I'm finding that a lot of even preteens up into um, early adulthood have this anxiety based on performance, right? Because there's such a standard that they need to adhere to. And when they feel as though they can't meet that standard, they don't feel good, right? All those signs and symptoms that we were talking about early occurs, right? And so it's even more important in today's day and age with everything uh, happening in this world and compounding the situation that having this support system, both formally and informally, is necessary. Oh, I see that so much. This, this anxiety when it comes to performance. So what happens in those situations with these teens is that they base their academic performance and their athletic performance on a measure of their self-worth. That's just the way they've been conditioned. And sometimes that pressure comes from parents or caregivers, or they've been conditioned that way, maybe in their community, or they're in a certain school that puts a lot of pressure on them. And a lot of times I find some kids are overscheduled because they have this, this need to perform and show up and do more and you know, get the marks and do the extracurriculars and the admissions to go to college or university are getting, it's getting tougher and tougher. And you got to show that you've done more and more and you got to be bilingual. And, you know, it just goes on and on. So it's important to teach your teen or help them recognize, I mean, hopefully this is being taught at a younger age, but if they are a teenager, that's, that's, to, to help them become aware of it and to let them know that that is not the measure of their self-worth, right? That is not who they are. They are not that identity, right? Mm-hmm. They don't need to base their identity on how they perform and what they achieve and how much they succeed because success looks different for everybody. And so I really love the idea of having this informal uh, support systems in place too, because I find that even like a spiritual leader from somebody who has a a community, like families who follow a certain faith, I find that a lot of times that keeps teenagers uh, in a tighter community and they have somebody to lean to or somebody they respect, right? And even when I was growing up as a teen, we had a, my parents had beautiful uh, communities and I did have a mentor who was actually a high school teacher, uh, who was a mentor for me that I respected, who led a lot of the community events and led the community uh, circle in in our in uh, with my fa- with all the families, and I found that very helpful. Yeah, and you know, I think what happened for you there is that this person provided you with support, right? Mm -hmm. He he or she provided you with emotional support, right? So they were showing that they 
accepted you, they encouraged you, they cared for you, showed empathy and concern, right? And they also gave you information, practical advice, probably, or guidance, or just sharing their opinions on how to solve particular problems. And you brought up that this is someone that you admired and trusted, right, within the community and for yourself. So when they were giving this advice, as a teenager, you weren't like, okay, you have no idea what you're talking about. You have <laughs> no idea what goes on in my life, right? Where, which is something many teenagers say, Yeah, that didn't occur for you because you had built this trust and this relationship with this with this person. So having someone in your um, faith-based community who people look up to is a really good idea, right? That's a very good resource. And there's also perhaps a lot of other social circles or uh, support groups for teens, right? And even though they may be virtual right now and they may that may not be ideal, it is the most safest option for many people, right? As a result of the pandemic, of course. And so even if they are involved in groups where, let's say, for example, they have liked interests, similar interest, and similar mindsets, so that they that way they can connect to each other, right? With like-minded individuals. Because what's that that is going to happen, what's going to happen is that they're going to feel valued. They're going mm -hmm. to feel supported. They're going to feel heard. And then that will increase their self-confidence. This connection to others will help them build their confidence. Yeah, I, I love that idea. And I, I mean, it's like I run that glow program for tween girls, yeah, right? And I love that. And I call it this, uh, you know, this, this power circle, right? So it's like, that's what we're there to do is support each other. And I find that teens need to be in a judge, a non judgmental environment, because once they feel like they're being judged, then they shut down. Right. And I always encourage them to journal. I feel like it's such a good way to process emotions. And one of the techniques and strategies I'd like to share today, and I've seen it work quite well, is when a parent wants to establish a connection or keep an open connection and communication with their teen, what they can do is have a journal dedicated to that. So instead of actually having a face-to-face -face conversation that may seem a little intimidating or daunting or embarrassing for the teen, what you can do is exchange little messages or notes in the journal and have it kept in a safe split, a safe space. And so it's like a way for you to communicate with your teen. I mean, I've seen it mostly with moms and daughters, to be honest, right? And so it's just a, it's a beautiful strategy and I've seen it work well if you can commit to it because a lot of times teens don't wanna tell you anything, but you can say to them, when you're ready, I'm here. That's all they need to hear, right? Is when you're ready, I am here for you. And then if they wanna share something in the journal and then, you know, share it with you that way indirectly, you still have an idea of what's going on in their life or you get a little sense or a cue of, 
you can even read between the lines, you know, per se, then it's a, it's a great way to communicate with your teen if you cannot get this open communication. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that also, you know what, like I feel as though that also taps into their creativity, right? Mm-hmm. And there's so much around this aspect of creativity in helping to decrease anxiety. Actually, I know of somebody who had um, a really bad anxiety attack, right? This was a young girl in her teens Mm -hmm. and she was waiting. There was a long lineup at the hospital. So they had to wait for a long time. It was about six hours. You won't believe what she did. It was absolutely fascinating. What she did was she took out a piece of paper and markers and in the middle of the paper, she wrote gratitude Mm -hmm. and then she did a Mandela and no one prompted her to do this. She did it on her own around the Mandela. There was probably about 500 things that she was grateful for and she found gratitude in. When she was done this Mandela, it was, it filled up the entire canvas. Okay. And it looked like, like, honestly, that's something I would buy and put up on my wall. Like it was absolutely beautiful. When I saw this picture It was gorgeous. And so, but think about where it came from, right? It came from this place of anxiety. They wanted to get help. They went to the hospital to do so. Time permitted her to tap into this creative zone. Well, anyways, after she she went and she went to the hospital, there wasn't much the hospital could do for her. But guess what happened to her anxiety symptoms in that moment, at least? They became quite less significant for her, right? And therefore, her behaviors changed. And that's what creativity does, right? And you know, somebody must have taught her that technique at some point, she didn't just come up with it maybe on her own. And that like doodling or mindful coloring, you know, somebody may have suggested it, somebody she may have been working with suggested that to her. And Gratitude is so, it's even for adults, right? Or even for anybody of any age, it's been shown scientifically to uh, increase happiness and improve sleep and do so many things. So it actually should, I don't like to use the word should, it could be part of a daily routine for any teen. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think that, um, yeah, she probably, I'm sure she probably saw it, like even on social media, probably, and thought, hey, this is something I can try, right? And mm-hmm. um, really helped her, right? It helped her cope in that situation. Mm-hmm. It helped her feel less stress. It increased her mood, increased her confidence, right? So she was able to, I think when you're able to tap into a skill like that on the subconscious level, that is going to increase your self-confidence, right? Because you didn't even, she didn't even know she had that skill Mm -hmm. and she was able to somehow dive into it. Mm -hmm. That's a great strategy. And other strategies could be like listening to apps, right? Those apps, the calming apps, uh, whenever they feel they can't sleep because of their racing thoughts or, you know, something that will calm their mind. And I like to suggest uh, EFT, which is a tapping technique where you tap different 
acupressure points on the body and it actually sends a calming signal to the amygdala and that's where they're operating from right so EFT also known as emotional freedom technique is so effective and so powerful for teens and there are so many studies to back it up and that to show that it reduces cortisol and stress hormones and all that kind of good stuff so I like to recommend that but I think the biggest we had talked about nutrition uh, but I think the biggest thing for teens right now especially during the pandemic is movement Oh yeah. It's getting that movement in. Yeah. You totally read my mind right now. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing and you know how much of a proponent I am of physical activity, but I think that during the pandemic it is just even more important and I, I'm not talking about an excessive amount of physical activity, but what I'm talking about is just movement like you said, right? And movement can look very different for different people. But I think that if we're able to plug in even small periods of active of movement in your day, like 10 minutes, maybe twice a day or three times a day. And this movement could be anything, right? It could be doing jumping jacks, it could be uh, doing a dance, it could be doing yoga, or even some stretching, right? Mm -hmm. But the, the point is, is that you're moving your body. And what happens is when you move your body, you're putting your body in different positions, right? You're becoming active. And when you're becoming active, you're using energy, right? So you're able to process your emotions more. You're moving your energy in your body. That is the reason why movement is such a great strategy. Oh, it's, it's critical because, well, I, like you said, right? Energy in motion is emotion, right? So these kids, so what was happening at the beginning of the pandemic, this is what I found is that they were spending uh, a lot of them that I was speaking to was spending a lot of time on the phone. So they would start communicating with their friends and starting their Snapchats around uh, 10 PM or so. And they were staying up. Some of them, a lot of them were staying up until three, four in the morning, right. In the beginning of the pandemic. So they got very sleep deprived. Their circadian rhythms got completely out of whack and they lost their motivation to do anything because that's what's going to happen when you have this lack of sleep, right? And some of them who have been able to get their sleep on track are feeling better. But the ones who haven't been able to get their sleep on track, they're not even able to get out of bed in, morning, in the morning to attend school, Right. And it's come to the point where they are saying, what's the point of attending school? Right. So the movement piece and and the sleep piece, it all goes together. And the nutrition, it's so it's so overlooked at in for this age group, but it's actually so important for this age group. Right. And as parents or caregivers, we can provide them opportunities to have some uh, rhythm there, right? So maybe some like dinner. I know it's not always easy to have dinner as a family. I mean, to be honest, even this week, we haven't had dinner as a family much on uh, last few weeks. Um, but just 
times where you can have dinner as a family, because I, I really try to set that intention and make that point. I just happen to be busier, but um, it's usually always the case with dinner as a family and it's a no technology zone, right? So that's a good way to get them disconnected digitally and more reconnected with the family and providing opportunities where they can connect with you. And, you know, teenagers seem like they're very withdrawn and and they don't want to engage in too much, you know, huggy and physical touch and all that, but they love to play still. And they, if you went and did some playful movements with your teenager, uh, if you started doing that connection piece, they would probably respond favorably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I think what happens there is it triggers a response, right? It triggers this um, relaxation response. Mm-hmm. So their endorphins are these chemicals, right? These mm-hmm. chemicals called endorphins get released in the brain when that happens, right? And there's so much research around this relaxation or mainstream, you call it more mindfulness, I guess now. Mm-hmm. But basically, it's like training your your body to practice these techniques so that you're able to release these endorphins, right? So there's so many different ways that 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 can be so many different techniques and so many different modalities that can be used. You mentioned so EMT, right? Yeah, there's um, so many muscle body. relaxation. There's so many. Oh my and- gosh. It's, it's actually, I can't even, I always thought maybe I should make a document one day of all the techniques, but there's just so many. And it really depends on the nature of a person when yeah. like to decide what technique will work for that person. It really depends on, on that person person if they are how they relate to the world do they relate to the world in more social more uh you know um like are they more intellectual based are they more sensitive like it just depends on the person really it totally depends on the person right and they a lot of the techniques that we've mentioned are helpful in a general population right mm-hmm. but specifically if exercise is something that helps release these endorphins and put you in a state of rela- relaxation, then that is a technique you can use. Mm-hmm. If it's creativity that puts you in a state of relaxation, then that is a technique you can use more of, right? Mm-hmm. Even if it's going outside, sometimes people just enjoy being on being by themselves and doing a puzzle. You know, that's actually, now that I think of it, I saw a lot of posts in the pandemic of people doing puzzles. Yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that just gave something, it gave something for people to focus on. It was a project. It was a goal. It was something that worked for them. So the key here is to figure out for yourself and for your teenager, what is going to work best Mm -hmm. in your family. Yes. And just keep the lines of communication open with them. And, uh, and the last thing I want to leave parents with here is I know that there is sometimes it seems like there is a long wait time or there's a shortage of professionals who practice child and adolescent development. Right. And I would urge all parents to keep their options open and look at alternative professionals who can help your child, who are 
who can be there for your child, who can mentor your child and help your child move through their challenges successfully and to help your teen feel really empowered. And so I would encourage all parents to keep their options open and find somebody that your teen can resonate with. Mm-hmm. And have that connection with, right? I mean, even <laughs> I'm just thinking like even for myself and my own daughter, I'm just thinking when she's older, she may not want to engage in, let's say, cha- challenging her internal dialogue with me, right? But if she is able to find someone who she does connect with, someone who does challenge her, but is yet supportive, someone who helps her by seeing her, she would be a lot more successful. Yes, absolutely. So I believe that is the conclusion of this episode. I know that we gave a lot of information. I mean, we started off talking about the adolescent brain and that has to be taken into account. And then going into why anxiety exists for our teenagers, especially right now. And and what that can look like and some of the symptoms of that. And we hope that these strategies that we've given here, uh, I know that we didn't number them, but uh, there's quite a few. If you can just go through, I hope that you've picked up some beautiful golden nuggets from this episode. In our last segment of the series, we are talking about you because I know that you are having anxiety. And there's a lot of information out there. So we're going to just take out some of that information that we think is going to be most relevant and provide you with some actionable steps that you can take. So we hope to uh, hope that you will join us next time. And thank you for listening. Take care. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the I Am Mom Parenting Journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow us and head on over to iTunes to leave us a review. We invite you to check out the show notes for this episode and click on the link to join our free Facebook community to stay connected and continue the conversation with other like-minded moms. Until next time, stay inspired, take action, and create magic.